the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, how you doing on this afternoon? It's nice December afternoon. Uh, by now, you, most of you listening to this have had, had your uh, celebrations of, of Christmas or uh, whatever you, you normally do during this time of year. I know, uh, you know my family gets together and and uh, we have like a, a, a conference. We talk about finances. We talk about goals. We talk about different things, uh, parenting, whatever it may be, whatever's on the uh, the topic. And uh, we worship together and, and pray together. And, and then we go home. And so, uh, I mean, that that's that's our thing. That's our, our bit of, of, of honor we give to the Lord during this time of year. Uh, also during this time of year, as you know, as I talked about uh, last week, it's a it's a it's a season of up and da- ups and downs. Ups and downs where uh, people are just they their hearts are open and they're giving and and uh, and they want to do things and you know and children get happy and then there's other people who get depressed because they maybe not maybe are far from family don't have family uh, could be estranged from family for whatever reason uh, you know there's there's no joy under the bridge or in the homeless shelter or in or, or orphanage or foster home you know it's like. It's just a different thing, you know, when everybody else is enjoying family and, and you're there. And so, you know, we had these ups and downs. But there's another thing that happens during this time of year that that has gotten so popular that the TV shows and the, and the commercials bombard us with. The, and that's jewelry. Oh, my God. Jewelry. Man, I think every jewel in the world has a commercial being aired about this time. But somebody being happy getting a, a pendant or a bracelet or then it's the ultimate. The wedding ring. You know, everybody wants to pop the question during Christmas, which is a smart financial move, really, because you kill two birds with one stone. You get the Christmas gift out the way and you get the wedding ring out the way. You know what I mean? So then you don't have to worry about buying a Christmas gift because, of course, you've done the ultimate. You've presented the wedding ring. And so during this time of year, sometimes we have the birthing of, of, of relationships, the birthing of marriages that comes apart during this time of year where people feel during the season of giving, basically, I guess I'm going to give uh, my life to you. And and one of the things that, that was shared with me that I also share with others that come down the line is that uh, the decision is more than just what kind of ring that you're going to buy. Uh, you won't really be able to tell somebody that I'm going to give my life, my heart to you, if you don't quite understand what God has you on this earth to do. 
And so I, I, I speak this because a lot of times we get caught up in our traditions and our ceremony. And we think that, you know, the, the hardest thing is, you know, getting the ring and popping the question. And then we're going to spend six months to a year planning the wedding. Uh, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm like, if I, if I know I'm engaged to you, if I know we're soon to be married, I'm not waiting no year. You know what I mean? I was there with this couple and it's like, Oh, we just got engaged. We get married. Oh, 2020. I say, Oh, you, oh, you ooh, no, I think if I'm with the woman I love and I'm around all the time and I got to wait till 20, what is stopping me from waiting till 2020? Oh, we need to save up enough money for the wedding, the wedding, the wedding, the wedding, you know, and we put so much emphasis into this, this ceremony and we treat it like it's the, 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 the epiphany, the, 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 the all high tip of the mountain of our relationship. And so what happens then is the only place to go is, but down, down. And, you know, and, and, and not really understanding a, a, a biblical view, you know, of what it is. And, and not just even from a, the Hebrew culture, but understanding what does God expect out of us in marriage? And he says his relationship, Christ's relationship with the church is the same kind of relationship that he looks for in our marriages. So we got to look at that relationship. And, I mean, you, you get uh, explanations in Ephesians and, and uh, you know, Genesis and, you know, all through Scripture, really, you see how that relationship pans out. What is the heart and breath and width of, of, of what is being done? And, and and we get into this this wedding day thing, man. And I know, oh, it's every every woman's dream. You know, they get heartbroken if they can't have this ceremony. You know what I mean? They, they daydream about this thing. I mean, Barbie dolls have gone through this whole ceremony and things like that. But, you know, the, really the main thing you want to look at is are you prepared? Mentally, physically, emotionally, socially, spiritually, to embark on a journey with another person for life. That's that's the that's the stretch. And I, I remember personally, I share my personal story is that, is that uh, I was 27 years old. And I was like, Lord, I'm ready to get married, you know, and then I remember just somehow just feeling like it was coming soon. You know, you know, I don't know if I was listening to a sermon or at a prayer meeting, but somehow I got the confirmation that it was coming soon. Man, I got excited. I said, Woo, thing when this is over. Man, I started keeping my house clean. You know, me, you know, I was a bachelor. I had three piles of clothes on my floor. Clean, can be worn again, and dirty. <laughs> That's just uh, that's what I had on floor lined up. Man, I went out and bought me some cinder blocks and some boards and made me some shells. Started folding my clothes up, putting them up there, you know, got a laundry basket. Never had a laundry basket, you know, maybe a pillowcase, but never a laundry basket, you know. Man, I started getting ready. I'm like, it's coming. It's soon. Man, I can't wait. And uh, every woman I seen, my head was on a swivel. Man, in my imagination, I took her from high low to I do, to you change the diapers in about three minutes in my brain. You know what I mean? Is this the one? Is this the one? And then I, I just, I had to break it down for a little while and I realized, man, I'm almost 30. What is soon? Then somebody broke my heart and they told me, have you ever really read the scriptures? 
They always say Jesus is coming soon. That was 2,000 years ago. I said, oh, no. I said, no, I can't wait 2,000 years to get married. I ain't get married. Then by the time I got like 31, I was like, skip it. If it come, it come. Right? But I realized I was preparing in the wrong way. I was preparing, you know, making sure that my house, my dishes was clean. You know, I was in the physical. But I didn't handle things like in the emotional the spiritual, and of course the physical. Oh yeah, I was ready for the physical, but uh, but emotionally, I had some uh, arts, some unforgiveness, some some things that was there with some key people in my life, and one of them being my mom, and and uh, and so I'm glad I cleared those things up before I got married because then I would they would have just carried over in the marriage and I would have would have tried my best to make sure that my wife never ended up like my mom, you know, and doing certain things like that. And I would have brought a paranoia into the relationship that wasn't even called for, but it was just because I had unresolved issues. So I resolved those issues with my mom. Uh, I realized I had uh, a, a, a root or you know, spirit of rejection in my life. I was afraid of being rejected. And, uh, and, it, and you know, just like the average you know, guy in my position, and I just I hit it by being an extrovert, and uh, and so once I got those things dealt with, and I got some prayer, got some things broken in my life, then I was like thanking God I didn't get married at twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty, thirty one, because I was like I was would have been I had issues that I didn't even know I had issues that I had to deal with spiritually and emotionally. You know what I mean? You know, the physical, keeping the house clean, that was fine. You know, the the mental, the desire. But I had to get that straight and what my outlook on what a wife was. My wife was not going to be my answer to my battle with lust. That, 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 that's not what it was. You know what I mean? That, you know, I know the scripture says it's better to marry than to burn. But, you know, that, you know, I said I'd rather wait and be frustrated than to burn twice. Meaning burn, get married, get divorced, burn again. And I said, you know, this is going to be a one shot deal for me. So in that time of preparation, you know, I got clearer vision of what my purpose was. And knowing what the scripture says in Genesis that, you know, God gave Adam a helpmate. And I was asking God for a helpmate. I was at someone that can help me, help me grow closer to the Lord, help me be a better father, help me be a better minister. And uh, and and you can't help a person that doesn't know where they need help. You know, it's very frustrating. And as a pastor, I see that a lot in marriages where the, the woman gets so frustrated. The man gets frustrated thinking the woman is a nagger or a pusher because she keeps trying to get him to do certain things. But really, she's operating out of her out of her calling to be a helpmate in a certain area. But if you don't want help or if you don't even know the help you need, then you feel someone else is pushing their will on you. They're doing things to you and. You don't know why they're doing this. And I told them what I do. And, 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 but you, you chose someone that was a, a helpmate and they're just trying to help you in the area and their strength that they're in. And, and it's because of their love. But then I becomes a point of contention. I remember when my uh, daughter got married and, and I was talking to her, her, you know, her finance, I mean, fiance, I say finance, but you know, it's, that's just my own personal joke when people introduce me. This is my fiance. Oh, you, oh, you, you the finance? You know what I mean? It's like, 
But, uh, you know, he was, I asked him, I said, he, he said, I called to ask you for your daughter's hand in marriage. And I said, um, yeah, man, I heard you want to be a minister. I said, yes, sir. I said, is that what you really want to be? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. No, I'm wavering. Yeah. I said, well, then it's okay for you to marry my daughter because my daughter is the helpmate for a minister. I can tell you that's her call in her life. I said, but if you don't plan on going in the ministry, don't marry my daughter. I said, because all it's going to do is lead to frustration. She's going to keep trying to push you in the ministry and you're going to keep trying to get mad and you're going to call her a nag or whatever else like that. I say, I said, I said, it's very crucial that you understand what, what is the call on her life and who she's called to help. And, uh, and, and, and they've done well for a young couple getting married and having a bunch of children, you know, but they remember that thing and she helps him out so he can go out there and do ministry, keeps the house held down. And that, that's what you have to look at. A lot of times we're looking at, you know, let's be honest, fellas. We're looking at lips, hips, fingertips. You know what I mean? We ain't thinking about helpmate purposes. <laughs> you know, nobody want to be walking with Sister Doty, you know what I mean, down the aisle. You know what I mean? You want to look good. You know what I mean? You want to look at somebody there. You want everybody to turn their head and say, man, how did he get her? You know what I mean? That, see, that's what I have. You know, everybody look like, how did he get her? Yeah, I mean, man, yo, man, what was wrong with her? You know what I mean? I was like, you don't know. Tell me you got to have game. Holy Ghost game. You know what I mean? That's what you got to have. But, you know, and we, we like that. You know, we like for our women to look good and, and they, they get looked at and, and, and puffs our chest up a little bit, and, you know, to what we have. And that's why we wash our cars and put rims on it, right? We want everybody to look at it. You know, it's still a Chevy or Toyota or whatever it is, but we put our personal touch on it. And that's what it is, man. You know, and so that's that's just something that's in us innate. But the thing we have to also look at is that we have to be uh, taught and discipled in is really understanding the direction we're going because we're about to take this woman on a journey. It's not about popping open a little ring and getting together and ending your frustration with loneliness or ending your frustration, you know, with not having nobody to talk to or your battle with lust or whatever like that. You're about to embark on a journey a lifelong journey for sickness and in health for better or for worse for rich or for poor. Now we, we repeat the thing, but we sure ain't feeling them because you know, you get the marriage counseling boy, ain't nobody feeling them. You know what I mean? They get in there, you know, we make our decisions based upon our financial security. You know, we will work our two jobs and when the child is born, we'll still work our two jobs. You know what I mean? And, and, and our, our kids spend more, we get up and, Six in the morning, get them dressed, give them some breakfast, put them in the car, drop them off at daycare, go to work, get off work at five, fight traffic, get over there at 645, you know, grab our kids. The kids have been 10 hours in daycare. We grab them, fight traffic. We get home. Uh, we set them down. We we take their coat off. We play with them. Uh, we go in there and start preparing dinner, and we they sit in the kitchen with us or whatever. Uh, dad comes home. Uh, then, you know, he may do something with the child. We eat. And uh, so we get home at six and the kids in bed by eight thirty, And we spent about three and a half hours out of the day with our child, not counting drive time in the car. You know what I mean? You know, we had time in the morning and about two and a half hours in the evening, but the daycare has had them 10 hours. And then we wonder why certain things happen. And so if you don't understand your mission and your quest, and I remember one of the things I told my wife was this, is that uh, I was called to raise up the next generation of evangelists. Whether they're in my house or I mentor them, that's my call. And, and I, you know, and I know I'm going to have children. I know I need to spend time with them. And so they, it required a sacrifice. 
And we had to really, really talk about this sacrifice and, and what we were going to do. And was it really God's will? And in light of what was going on all around us amongst our peers, our families and everything else that was done. And we're going to take a break right now. And uh, once again, my name is Joseph Sutton. I pastor Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis. And this is our radio program, Isaiah 61. And so after the break, I'll tell you about that sacrifice and tell you the decision we had to make uh, concerning our family and concerning our financial future. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. Is your life unsettled, in turmoil? Have you ever wondered why? Here's Adrian Rogers. It is absolutely imperative that you be certain about the Bible. You'll never get much of anything else settled until you get that settled. I'm Chris Fabry, inviting you to join us for Love Worth Finding with Adrian Rogers. Tune in to Love Worth Finding with Dr. Adrian Rogers, weekday afternoons at 1 on AM 980, The Mission. New Year's. New Year's Eve. Uh, speaking of New Year's Eve, uh, as we find out in different traditions, it's called different things. Um, you know, we have a watch night service at our church on uh, New Year's Eve from 9 to 12. Uh, we'll be there worshiping. We're worshiping with a, uh, Emmanuel Praise, uh, another church. We're getting together with them. Uh, they're they're a, a Liberian church, so we're going to have some lively worship uh, mixed in with, with everything else that's going on. So we'll take turns worshiping and praying in the new year and, and uh, being a blessing. Uh, just a brief FYI for those of you who may not know why it's called a watch night service. Um, all over the world in uh, African and African-American communities, uh, New Year's Eve is called watch night because Back in 1864, people watched and prayed to make sure that that uh, amendment was passed that freed the slaves. And so they would get together and pray. They prayed that day because it was inactive January 1st. So they all got together and just prayed and prayed. And they called it watch night service because they watched and, and watched their freedom roll in, watched the freedom for their brothers and sisters and they prayed to make sure nothing would happen. So every year, people still get together and and praise and pray and bring in the new year, and and they still call it watch night service and uh, and just being thankful for for what has happened. Uh, not even most people, you know, of, of you know African American descent know why it's called watch night. Not unless you're a church person that's in there, but that's that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get together, and uh, as always, you know, that's my thing. I love to pray in the new year. So we're gonna end at twelve. Well, 
they gonna end at twelve. You know what I mean? The, the some of us will keep going because we ain't got nothing else to do, and so we'll keep praising and we'll keep worshiping the Lord and uh, until everybody go home. But anyway, but nine to twelve is the official time that comes in there. So you're all invited to come out to one zero zero one Penn Avenue North, and uh, in Minneapolis, and uh, and come on in and and join and pray and worship with us. So. Well, back to, as I was saying, you know, back to the, the, this, the commitment me and my wife had to make as we sat down and we thought about what would it take to raise up, you know, a next generation evangelist. Now, my wife is a she's a CPA, you know, uh, by training. And uh, and then I'm an accountant, you know, what I mean, but I'm more of a tax accountant. So we're two accountants. Right. But I, I ducked into management and I spent my time in management. I managed everything. I managed convenience stores, grocery stores fast food restaurants, uh, large retail establishments, you know, up to 200 employees. I mean, I just, that's, I, that's why I spent my time. Cause I love people. I mean, I love numbers. Don't get me wrong, but I love people. And, uh, so, so we could have made a lot of money and we could have lived wherever we wanted to live, but we chose to live in North Minneapolis because we knew that in order for our children to be a light, to continue on the legacy and the ministry that my family has, that they had to be raised in that context. They couldn't have been raised in, in, in other places and then come back and try to be as effective as, as we are. So we had to be there. And what I love most about my wife that made me want to marry her is that she was urban. She did not like living in the suburbs. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's when I knew, oh, this, this is my personal nickname for my wife is rib bone. It's a biblical nickname. I call it, that's my rib bone. John, that's a good one for you. It's just called a rib bone. You know what I mean? But it's, uh, and so I said, you know, so we lived in the city. That was step number one. And then we realized that, you know, we wanted to be the main mentors and disciples in our kids' life. So that meant that, we had to be around them. So that meant that somebody always had to be home. So instead of my wife working uh, a full-time job and making lots of money, she just ran her own little small accounting business out of the home so she can be home. And me being in youth ministry, not having to start work to two and three o'clock in the afternoon, I was there all morning. So all my kids ever known is that all their first five, six years on earth is that they spent all that time, you know, around us. Now we did send them to daycare when they were little one day a week for social skills so they can meet some people and meet some kids and have some friends and everything like that. We didn't want them to be around us all the time. And we had other friends with children and, and, you know, our church was pretty active and our house was a center of the neighborhood. So everybody played in my yard, you know what I mean? Cause that's coach Joe's yard. So they can go down there and find a ball, bar ball, uh, you know, play, you know, my sons were playing tackle football and baseball in the backyard for uh, they was doing that, true man. Ever since they was four or five years old, with all the big kids in the neighborhood, uh, teaching them how to play and making friends with them and everything like that, and people eating snacks at our house, and that's we knew we needed that kind of environment to lay the foundation for what uh, God was calling uh, our family to do or to continue to do, and and so we sacrificed income greatly, you know, to make sure that our seed was okay. And, and and not that everybody has to do that. And when I counsel couples, I don't recommend that. It's not a recommendation. You can't walk in my footsteps. You got to find your own road, you know, and I'm just sharing this with you to understand that 
it goes beyond having that ring ready. It goes beyond saving up enough money to get a ring and, and spending two years to plan a wedding. It goes into the preparation of your heart and your spirit and what God is saying. And so is you, your sons or your daughters are coming to you. So I'm thinking about marriage and thinking about this and, and whatever it may entail, you know, uh, let them not get caught up in the material things and uh, things that, that everybody does in this world. And they forget about the spirit. Uh, and, and we see that so often in our society, even in Christmas, where we get caught up in the material things of Christmas, lights, trees, things like that. And we forget about the spirit of the matter. You know what I mean? You know, even when we call quote unquote, bring in the new year, you know, at a new time of beginning and we're celebrating out with the old and with the new. And we make these resolutions that we don't keep, you know what I mean? Because we don't really understand that our resolutions need to match our purpose. You know what I mean? You know, I'm not going to resolve to do one thing when my purpose is a whole nother thing. You know what I mean? I may resolve to want to go to school and become this, but that might be called to do this. And so even in the midst of that, we, we need to, to, to settle down. And even if your children are older, uh, sit down with your grandchildren and just talk to them about purpose and direction and life. And, and as you get ready to go into marriage, if you're thinking about being married, you know what I mean? You make sure that you get the spiritual part. Don't go to premarital counseling after you made your mind up to be married. Go to premarital counseling before you pop out the ring to see if this is the one. Hey, God bless you. And I hope you have a sweetest marriage as I do. Talk to you next week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.